And our dream is to connect all people, right? To connect all people to God-sized life and love. And as we do that, to be a church, man, dreaming of this, to be a church that, that our community, the 804, cannot imagine being without. That is what we believe is God's call for us. And as it's God's call, it'll take God to make it happen. Uh, we can't do that. Not in our power, not in our wisdom, not in our goodness. It's going to take God to make that happen. But won't it be exciting to watch God make it happen? Do you believe God's going to make that happen in our community? Yes, man, yeah. Yeah, we believe that. And as we come alongside God, we'll get a, a front row seat to watching Him do that. But now I just said something kind of important there. As we come alongside God. What all does that mean? What's it mean to come alongside God? What does it mean to follow Christ as, a, as an individual believer in such a way that He can and He will do a God-sized work through me or, or how He would do that through us as an entire church family? Well, to, to kind of work through that question, we have developed seven questions, seven questions, seven measures, a way of just looking at my walk with Christ and saying, am I coming alongside God? Am I walking through this life alongside Him? I think you'll find in these seven questions that they cover the entirety of the Christian faith. They, they cover everything in the New Testament that, that God wants a Christ follower to be, to do, that they'll cover it. And in these seven questions, we have two hows, three wheres, and two whos. Did you get that? Two hows, three wheres, two whos. The two hows are not exclusively vertical, but they're, they're mostly vertical. They're mostly about our relationship with God. How am I worshiping? How am I growing? And then the three wheres are about my horizontal relationship with God. Did you pick up that I just said God? I didn't say my horizontal relationship with people. I said my horizontal relationship with God because my relationship with God is my relationship with people. Not just any people, but the body of Christ. There's no concept in the New Testament of me knowing God, relating with God, having life in God, but having no knowing, no relating, no life with His body, the Christ. That they, they go hand in hand. And so we have three questions to kind of measure what's happening in my horizontal relationship with the body of Christ. Where am I investing? Where am I connecting? Where am I serving? And then today we come to the last two questions, the end of this series that we've been at for six weeks now. And these two who's are, are also horizontal. They're not just the body of Christ. They include the body of Christ, but they spread out beyond the body of Christ to the whole world. And they're real pinpointed. These questions kind of should bring us to a name. That they should bring us to a face. And those two, these last two questions are, who am I coaching and who am I reaching? Who am I coaching? Who am I reaching? Those may not be words you see in the, in the New Testament a whole bunch. They're more words that we would kind of use today. But those, they're very New Testament ideas. Those two words represent words like evangelism and discipleship. Those two words represent ideas like helping people come to Christ and then helping people grow in Christ. I think I could call, I could sum up these words, these, all these ideas of, with reaching and coaching and with one idea. It is the work. It is the work 
of a Christ follower. Now, when I say work, I, I always get a little bit nervous when we're doing religious stuff, when, when, when we're in church and we use the word work. Because our natural tendency is to think that we work our way into God's favor. If we do enough work, God will like me, love me, forgive me. If, I, if I'm good enough that I can get into heaven. And so religion kind of leads us to a real work mentality. Unfortunately, that's the exact opposite of what the New Testament actually says. I, I don't go before God carrying my work. I don't go before God hoping I've been good enough. I go before God praising Him that Jesus was good enough for me. I, I go before God not to display my work, but to display the work of Christ that I trust in. His work and His death and His burial and His resurrection. That work is what makes me right before God. It's that work that I have the forgiveness of all my sins. It's that work that I hold on to when I look forward to joyously and safely entering heaven. Man, if you're here today and that's news to you, and I hope it's good news. But if you're, if you're here today and that's news to you, you've been living under that, that heavy weight of trying to be good enough before what we all perceive as some kind of angry God. Man, I want to let you know today, don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in how good you are, but in Christ. And when our service is concluded today, as you go out these doors, right in the center of our concourse, there's a desk back there with some folks standing behind it that would love to be able to talk with you about how you can begin a relationship with Christ where His work becomes a part of your life. And you have that confidence of looking forward to heaven. As a matter of fact, maybe right now you just need to start thinking and praying. Hey God, is that a conversation I need to have today? Is that somebody I need to, to go out there and talk to? So be thinking about that. But, but again, when I say work, maybe a better idea than work is just activity. This is the activity of a follower of Christ. When I say activity, what all is included in that? Well, it could be everything in these seven questions. But if, I, if you were to back me into a corner and say, no, boil it down even tighter than that. Give me, give me two words that, that is the activity of a Christ follower. I would say reaching and coaching. That, that is what you and I are on this earth to do. You know, most of us in here have come to a place in our life where we have entered a relationship with Christ. Not all of us, but a lot of us. We have entered, we have begun a relationship with Christ. For you, that might have happened a year ago, might have happened 32 years ago, whenever it happened. So there's that point, and then now there's the next point where we die. Or Jesus comes back, whichever happens first. And we go to heaven, right? But what are we doing between A, starting a relationship with Jesus, and B, He comes to get us through either death or the rapture? What do we do in between that? What's the activity of a Christ follower? It would be reaching and coaching. That is what we are to be doing. And I know those are words that probably a lot of us think, oh, I don't know if that's me. I don't know if that's what I can do. Is there an option three? <laughs> you know, is there something else? But hey, here's the good news. We're not measuring today your personality. We're not measuring your ability. We're not measuring your skill. We're measuring how close you're walking alongside Christ. And as you walk along him, alongside Him, here's what He's going to do through you so that this becomes the activity of your life. Now, when I say that 
I say I would boil it down to two words. Let's get beyond what I say. Because we're not really here today to hear what Pastor Randy has to say. We're here today to hear what God says. Does God say that reaching and coaching is, should be the activity of our lives? Let's look up here. Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples. We throw that word around a lot in church, don't we? Disciples. You know, what, what, what is that? That's not a word we really use in our culture. Well, in this day and time, a disciple was somebody who began a relationship with a, a master, a teacher. In the Jewish faith, it would be a rabbi. And you began this relationship with them in which you basically devoted your life to living under their teaching. To, to kind of living under their philosophy, their way of looking at life. And you would li- literally follow them around. You, you would live life under that rabbi, under that teacher, master. That's a disciple. So when he says make disciples, that whole process is reaching somebody, bringing them into a relationship with Christ, and then helping them follow and live under Christ. So when Jesus says you're going to make disciples, that's reaching and coaching. We're going to do that with all nations. That's why our goal is to connect all people to a God-sized life and love. Because that word right there is actually ethnos or ethnicities. It's all the kinds of the people uh, on, on the planet. Baptizing them, that kind of focuses on reaching. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, well that's what a coach does, right? Teaches you how to run the play. Teaches you how to play this position. Teaches you the rules of the game. Teach them to observe all I have commanded you. Let's look at another one. Mark chapter 1. Jesus said to them, follow me. Now if we follow Christ, there's going to be a product. We're going to become great fishermen. Isn't that exciting? So I didn't know this. I would have signed up much earlier. I love fishing. Oh, maybe I should rephrase that. Fishers of men. Not not fishermen, but fishers of men. That's a product. You say, how do I know if I'm following Christ? You find that you're trying to reach people. You, you, You find that you're trying to reach people. And of course, we just learned from Matthew, if we reach them, there's a goal. It's to coach them. So that involves both reaching and coaching. You know, we have an activity here at the Heights that we actually call Go Fish. Have you, have you heard us? You've seen that in the announcements. It's actually in the bulletin uh, today. Next Saturday, we have a Go Fish event. You know what we do? We, we gather out here in the concourse and, and we go out into our community and in groups of two or three. It takes about, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes. We don't fish all Saturday, just 30, 45 minutes. And we go door to door and just knock on the door and leave an invitation to the church. That's it, because what are we doing? We're casting bait, right? We're just putting it out there. You know, if you do fish, you probably never think of it this way. I I, I thought of it this way. Do you realize how much of your bait is rejected? Do you realize every time you throw a line out there and... I mean, every one of those times, you were rejected. All the fish of that lake rejected you. Some of them made fun of you down there underneath the water. They, they rejected you, your, your lure. They, maybe they didn't reject. They just ignored it. They just ignored it. I mean, do you realize how many times we did? But we keep throwing and we keep throwing. We get, why? Because sooner or later, we get a hit. Sooner or later, there's a strike. That's just kind of the process of fishing. I think that's real interesting that Jesus uses that as an illustration for what we're doing. Hey, man, you've got to be prepared. You're going to throw it out there, throw it out there, throw it out there. You're going to be ignored. You're going to be rejected. They're going to make fun of you. But boom, boy, when you get a hit. It's all about that hit, right? 
It's all about when that strike happens. So we, we, we go out usually about once a month on Saturday. Try that out. It, it, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't sting. Nothing, nothing bad happens to you. I've, I've come back every time I've gone out. And uh, so, so try that out. Look there in your bulletin. Try that with us one, one Saturday. Go fishing. Let's look at our next verse, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And what you have heard from me. Well, now, what have you heard from me? Well, gosh, you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, Right? We, we can be saved. We can be forgiven of our sins. What else have we heard from Paul? Man, we've heard the word of God. Man, the word of God teaches us about marriage and money and relationships and how to deal with hurts and frustration, frustrations and failures. Boy, the word of God teaches me about God. All this stuff that we've heard, we're, we're, we're to entrust. What does it mean to entrust somebody? It means to give it to them. We're, we're to take everything we've been given and we're to, we're to give it out to others, to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. I mean, folks, that's it right there. There, there is the cycle of the Christian life. There is the cycle of the Christ follower. Reach somebody and then coach them to reach somebody. And then start all over. Reach somebody and then coach them to reach somebody. And we just, we just keep doing it. That's our activity. It's what we do. One more verse, 2 Timothy 4, 5. The next verse, there we go. As for you, do the work of an evangelist. What's that? That's somebody who's just casting that bait out there, trying to bring people into a relationship with God. That's reaching. Fulfill your ministry. What's my ministry? What's my work in other people's lives? To coach them. Help, help them take that next step. Boy, folks, that's four verses. I could have given you 104 verses. This is our work. This is our activity. And what's exciting is Jesus has given us an activity until he comes back that we can all do. There, there's nothing about who or what we are that means, oh, it, it, except you. <laughs> it, except you can do this whether you're young or old. You can do this as a brand new believer. You can do this if you've been walking with Christ for 50 years. You can do this if you're rich or poor or somewhere in the middle. You can do this if you're healthy or unhealthy. You can do this if you're single, married, widowed, divorced. You, you, you can do this if, you are at, if 2017 has just been the year to end all years. This is the best year of your life. Or if you're having one of those other ones. You know, the, like the worst year. Like this surely could not get any, any worse. And that's not a challenge. Right? See, whatever kind of year you're having, you can still do this. You've got a great job. You've got the worst job. Hey, did you ever think about this? Maybe God put you in that job because of who you could reach and coach. Maybe God allowed that situation because it would put you right next to somebody that you could reach or coach. What, you're saying, you're saying God would give me a bad job? You're saying God would allow me to get cancer just so I could reach or coach somebody? Oh, let me, let me turn that question around on you. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he do that? Folks, everything we're doing down here is temporary. Except one thing. Only one thing we do counts for all eternity. Who we reach and who we coach. God will absolutely allow situations, circumstances, issues into our life because of who it will put us next to. Or maybe it'll bring us into an experience so that now I have a better ability to reach and coach maybe people who've been through a like experience. So, so that's kind of cool. And there's nothing about the kind of year I'm having. There's nothing about what I'm like or how I'm defined. None of that separates me from being and doing what God's called me to be and do. 
man, we are to reach and we are to, to coach. And, I, you know, I know as I say that, especially with a word like coach, because like a coach, that's like the person who knows about everything on the field, all the rules and, and every position and can make. You say, I can't, I can't do that. I can't coach myself in the Christian life. Some, some, how do you, how, I, can't, I can't. So we, we kind of separate ourselves from those words. But, but folks, and, and you'll see this as a theme today, the theme of simplicity in doing these things. Okay, let me ask you two questions. And I'm going to get you almost all the way there to reaching and coaching. Let me ask you two questions. Number one, do you care about being faithful to Jesus? Now, you know, when we're sitting in church, we're all, well, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, of course I do. And a lot of us mean it. Yeah, I really do care about being faithful to Christ. Now, if we're honest, we live whole days without ever thinking about, am I doing what he wants me to do? Am I following him in this day, in this relationship, in this situation? I mean, we can live big hunks of life without ever thinking at all about whether we're being faithful. But if we're sitting in church and you ask us, do you want to be faithful to Christ? Oh, yeah, of course. I guess what I'm saying in all that is treat the question as real. It's not rhetorical. Do I want to genuinely be faithful to my Savior? Do I genuinely want to follow Him? Now, if you, if you say, you know what? Yeah, I do. I, I really, really do. Then you're about 50% there. You're about halfway there to being a good reacher and, and, and a good coacher. Now, second question. Second question. Are you willing to have, and I could use a variety of words here, are you willing to have a spiritual conversation, a God conversation, a, a Jesus conversation? Are you willing to say a sentence in which you bring up the name of Jesus? Now, if, if we look at our history and we, we look at what we talk about and what we're one, I mean, the answer too often there would be, no, I'm really not. No, I'm, I'm really not willing to talk that much about God or Christ and unless it's you know, just totally a very safe environment that I create. But, but let's, let's say for argument today that, yeah, I am. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to do that on a moment's notice. I'm, I'm willing to do that in, in most situations. Well, then you just got 45% of the rest of the way there. You're 95% toward being a good coach and a good reacher if you want to be faithful to Christ and you're willing to have a spiritual conversation. 95 percent. Well, what about the other five? Hey, you know what? There is some skill. There is some ability. There is some knowledge to this. There's something you'll want to learn. There's something, hey, there's some ways to do things. So yeah, and that's kind of why we come to church, isn't it? So we learn, so we pick up the knowledge, the skill, the ability. But it's such a small part of actually being good at coaching and reaching. It really is, do I want to be faithful and am I willing to talk to somebody? We're just almost all the way there. Now let's break down reaching and coaching and let, let's talk about how we measure that in our lives. Reaching. What, what does it mean to, to reach? What am I doing? What, what kind of questions do I need to ask myself to see if I'm, if, I'm being, if I'm coming alongside Christ, I'm letting Him use me to reach people around me? First question, who am I praying for that they might come to Christ? Now, is there anybody in here who can't do that? No, <laughs> right? We can all say a prayer. I don't know how to pray that somebody... Jesus, please save them. Clearly, they're as lost as a ball in tall weeds. Lord, I don't know that person very well. They have to be going to hell. Please save them. Yeah, no, it doesn't really have to sound like that. But isn't it just as simple as saying, Lord, would you please save them? 
Hey, Lord, you know what's going on in their life right now. Would you use that to kind of draw them to your, yourself? I mean, it's just one, two sentence prayers. Is there anybody in here who should not be praying for people's salvation? Man, a neighbor, a co-worker, a friend, a family member. Because every one of us has in our lives people who need the Lord, right? Man, it starts right here. It starts with praying for them. That's, that's a big part of reaching people is I'm praying for them to be reached. Now, number two and three kind of go together. It, it, you read them just right. They might even say, hey, you could have shortened that. But here's what. This is kind of a general action. And this is a little bit more specific action. And this is that's 45%. Am I willing to talk? So the first question, what have I done this week to encourage a conversation about Christ? You know, as as you talk with people, a lot of times they're going to share something really good in their lives, or they're going to share something really kind of bad in their lives, especially if they're a close friend of yours, right? Man, this is horrible. Man, I can't believe it. You, You know what? A simple response. They share good news. Hey man, praise the Lord. What? Do you know what that is? It's just throwing bait. Throwing bait. Might be ignored. Might be rejected. But every now and then there's a strike. Maybe you don't even know that they're really kind of... Why did he say praise the Lord? What does she mean by that? Or, or maybe they're sharing something difficult in their life and you just... Not, these aren't even complete sentences. Hey, I'm praying for you. That's it. You know, I'm, I'm just throwing things out there that, that if it ever strikes, and if it ever hits, you know, what, what do you mean you're praying for me? What, what do you do when you pray for me? Well, why do you pray for me? Why do you say praise the Lord? You know, and all of a sudden now, they, they, the fish, has invited us into a conversation. We didn't have to force it. We didn't have to manipulate it. They invited us. We're just doing things to encourage. This really implies that we're listening, Right? We're really listening to people around us, our friends, our family. We're listening to what's going on in their lives, and we're, we're trying to capitalize on that as a way to encourage a conversation. Now, in number three, I'm not, now I'm trying to go a little step further. I, I, I'm not just throwing a line out there. I'm actually now trying to say something about Jesus. Hey, man, you know, we, we've been talking about that situation at work, and I've been telling you I've been praying for you. You know, I went through something like that once. I... I just can't begin to tell you what it meant to me to have Jesus in my life as I walked through that. You just see, just a little step further, another sentence. Maybe they bite, maybe, maybe they don't, but what we're doing is we're throwing that bait and we're trying to capitalize, we're, we're trying to move a conversation to where they're intrigued, they're interested, and they begin to ask, what do you, what do you mean your relationship with Christ? What, what is that in your life? And you're just telling your story there. There's not a whole lot of skill or ability to that. It's your story with Jesus. Now, number four. Okay, this is, remember the 5%? Two and three are the 45%. Are you willing to have a spiritual conversation? Number four is the 5%. It's, it's, I, I mean, if somebody says, okay, well, tell me how to know Christ. Tell me how I become a child of God. Uh, well, um... You know what? Let's call my pastor. <laughs> hey, by the way, if that's your only answer, praise God. Call your pastor. Give me a call. I'd love to sit down with you and your friend and share the gospel. But wouldn't it be kind of cool if right there on a moment's notice you were ready to tell him? And you know, here, here at our church, we have ongoing. We, we almost always have a class going where you can learn to share the gospel. And it's really pretty simple. It's, it's, a, it's a couple of Wednesday nights. It's a couple of verses. It's a couple of ideas. And you can share the gospel. Now, I know you're, you're listening to me and you're thinking, you know, you're trying to make this so simple. And it's, it's very complex. I'm almost positive of that. 
I think when you try to share the gospel, you know, people curse your name and they ask hard questions. And, you know, if, if God's real, can he make a rock so big he can't pick it up? And, you know, you, we ask all, and I don't know how to answer all those questions. I, you know, it's a lot more, com- no, it is that simple. And it is that complex. Well, let, let's go with this fishing illustration a little bit. So let, let's say, and, and you're out here. I don't, I don't know necessarily who you are in the room. But, but, but somebody took you fishing when you were four or five. May, maybe 12. Your uncle, your dad, uh, the next door neighbor. And you, you went fishing. And man, you caught a fish and you loved it. I'm giving the rest of my life to fishing. It's all about fishing. Is there anybody in here like that? Don't raise your hand. If you're married, they'll punch you and let you know. You know, I love that, that fishing. And, and you know what? People who love to fish love to get better at fishing, don't they? As a matter of fact, we could, you and I together, we could drive up to Ashland today to, to the Bass Pro Shop, and in 60 minutes or less, we could spend $10,000. Couldn't we? Hey, hey, we'll buy a John boat. That gets us like 60, 70% there. I'm talking good John boat, not a little dinky one you dig out of somebody's backyard. That nice, nice motor on the back, one of those trolling motors on the front. You just, you don't even, just use your foot. You don't even hear it. Silent, stealth, you know. I'm going to get one of those radars that shows me all the fish underneath my boat. You know, I'm going to get a couple of new rods and the reels. And, and you know what? Because I want to get good. They, they, they're offering this class where you, you can read the conditions of the lake and, and understand the weather and the time of day so that you do the, go to the exact right spot with the exact right lure. And I'm going to sign up for that. And, and you know what? When you leave there $10,000 poorer an hour later, you, you know what? There's a pretty good chance you will be a better fisherman. I mean, seriously, you will, you, you'll have better stuff You'll have more knowledge and, and you will get better at fishing. But, but that whole story does not negate the fact that on the way home from church today, you can stop by Walmart. You can go in there and get the Zebco 202. $14.99. And then swing by the bait shop, get one of those styrofoam cup with some worms in it. That might be like a buck ninety nine. So you're, you're only about $16, $17 in, and you can catch the exact same fish as the guy who just left Bass Pro $10,000 poor. <laughs> the exact same fish. That, that's real. It happens actually. And I'm not, I'm not being high, you know, in fishing. That happens every single day. The, the, the little kid, the person with the Zebco 202 catches the exact same fish. Now see, so there's no actual reason to get better or spend... No, the, the person who does all that other stuff probably does catch that fish a whole lot more often, doesn't, don't they? And, and so their odds are going to be better. Their consistency is going to be better. But at the end of the day, the Zebco 202 with a worm can catch the same four-pound smallmouth bass. So you see, there is a simplicity and there is a complexity. As a matter of fact, I, I've, this, I've observed this in 25 years of ministry. I tell people, because every now and then, you know, hey, I came to Christ three years ago, seven years ago. I don't feel like I've ever really grown. I don't really know what, you know what I tell them every time? Start witnessing. Become somebody devoted to reaching and coaching because every person I know that is devoted to reaching and coaching always wants to get better all on their own. They want to be able to answer the question. They want to be able to go a little bit further. They want to get better at reading the conditions. And they all by themselves will want, I want to learn more. I want to obey better. I want to understand. Reaching and coaching will drive you to growth almost like nothing else. 
will. So we learn. It's super simple. You can catch fish with a couple verses. And boy, I think once you do reach that person, you're going to say, wow, I want to get better and better at this. And you'll drive down to Bass Pro Shop, okay? Uh, Which means coming to church here, right? (laughs) Okay, fifth question. Am I leading anyone to Jesus? You know, that question kind of by itself, I think it could be, especially in the, in the tools of a, of a pastor, can be kind of a guilt-laden question, isn't it? I mean, if that's what I've been left here to do, that's why I'm on this planet, is to lead people to Christ. And so then the pastor says, how long have you been a believer? Five years? Ten years? Twenty years? Who have you led? Have you led anyone to Christ? And my guess would be across the room, there'd be a whole lot more... Crickets. Then there would be a, hi, this one and this one and this one. But you know what? It's not meant to be a guilt-laden question. That, that, that shouldn't be the goal of asking this question. And, and let's remind ourselves, we don't actually lead people to Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that turns a heart. It's the Holy Spirit that brings a heart alive. What we want to do is walk right next to the Holy Spirit and let Him work through us to reach the people around us. This question is number five for this reason. If you do the first four, you'll have number five. If you're doing the first four things, number five will be happening in your life. So that's that's some ways to understand, hey, who am I reaching and what's involved in that? Now, coaching. Coaching, I'm going to be even simpler than this. Coaching, I don't have a list. I don't have any questions. Just one simple idea. Because what is coaching? Is it teaching everything under the sun? Is it being able to make every position? Here's coaching. It's encouraging somebody to take the next step in Christ. That's it. Which technically means all you've got to do is be a half a step ahead of them. You don't have to be the pastor. You don't have to be the chairman of deacons. You don't have to be the teacher of the, of the class. You just got to be one step ahead, half a step ahead of, of that person you're coaching. And, and, you know, I think when we think of coaching, as a matter of fact, didn't we see in Matthew 28, it said, teach them all that I have commanded you. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2, entrust, that's another word for teach. And that's where a lot of us, I think, we say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not a teacher, I mean, I don't have that knowledge. I'm not going to stand up in front of a group of people and, and teach. But that's a really limited view of understanding what the word teach or coach means. For instance, when you call somebody on the phone on Saturday and say, hey, you want to go to church with me tomorrow? You just taught them a theology of the body of Christ. You just taught them that as Christ followers, we gather As Christ followers, we get together, we worship together, we pray together, we minister together, we serve together. We do this, not a solo flight. We we gather. You just taught them that in making a phone call. Maybe you you call up a a friend, maybe it's a new believer and said, hey, you ever gotten spooked by that whole 666 thing? Did you hear that thing? There's somebody said that I think he's the Antichrist. Ever wonder about that word rapture? You know, I I get all caught up in all that stuff, to be honest with you. I asked Pastor Rainey the other day if he had a good book I could read, and he recommended one. Hey, you want to get together and and read that book together? You know, you read it, I'll read it. Maybe every couple weeks we'll get together, have a cup of coffee, and discuss the last chapter we read. You know, in that invitation, what you just taught them? You just taught them, hey, a follower of Christ grows A follower of Christ learns. A follower of Christ is asking questions and digging for answers. We want to know more. You just taught them that by a simple invitation. 
Or how, how about this? You call them up and say, uh, they, they were here with you today at Life Group. And, and you call them up and say, hey, a couple of us are getting together Monday night. We're going to uh, pray over the prayer requests we heard on Sunday. You want to get together and do that with us? You know what you just taught them? Is, is that we pray. And we pray together. Sometimes even like with words coming out of our mouth. Out loud. Let's be honest. Most of us, I won't put a percentage on it because I don't know a percentage. Most of us in here, most of us watching online right now, do not feel comfortable praying out loud. And it's not just that we don't feel comfortable. We're not, we're not going to do it. And, and you know why? Yeah, because I hate the sound of my voice. Yeah, because I know I'll sound stupid. Oh, I, I, I don't know how to. No, that's not why you don't pray out loud. You, you don't pray out loud because in your journey of following Christ, nobody came alongside you and coached you. And said, awkward? There's nothing to be awkward about. You don't know how. There's nothing to know, man. We just talk to God. That's it. Hey, you know, listen, come with us. This, come with me this week. You don't even have to say anything. Just listen to the rest of us. There's really not much to it. See, nobody can. As a matter of fact, that's true for almost any, any activity we do as a follower of Christ that we don't do, won't do, because we feel stupid, because we don't know what to do, because somebody will make fun of us. Because nobody came alongside and coached us. And I know there's some of you, not, not many of you, but some of you, yeah, but that's been true for me now, like for three decades, so I can't really do anything about it. Yeah, yes, you can. Stop it. Stop! Start! You may find, I am probably the least furthest along in my walk with Christ. Well then, find, there's somebody in here that's further behind than you. Find them. And do it together. Coach. Coach somebody. Encourage somebody. And you know what happens? We all start growing. Folks, let me, let me take this whole reaching and coaching thing and boil it down to one sentence. I could have done the whole sermon in one sentence. You said, why didn't you? Boil it down to one sentence because here it is. Here, here is evangelism and discipleship. Here is reaching people for Christ and helping people grow in Christ. Here is reaching and coaching in one sentence. It's about being a friend. It is about being a friend. And giving that friendship to God. God, would you take my friendships and use them for your glory and purpose? God, would you use me as a friend in people's lives to bring them to Christ or to help them grow in Christ? Help me to do the one thing you've left me here to do in my friends. One of my and white words, favorite stories. Uh, I, I have a, a kind of a favorite sports team, a f- couple of favorite people, and, and, and then this thing, this story evolved that just has meant so much to me. I, I think I've told this once before, but I, I, as you know, I, I grew up, or a lot of you know, I grew up in, this, in the 70s in Houston. And uh, I, I followed for a number of years there the Houston Oilers, which was a, a desperately hard team to follow. But they did have a precious few good years. 
in, in 76, 7, 78, 79. And, and it, I tell you what was so fun about watching them was not just the, the W and the L or, or championships or anything like that. It was just a band of characters. They were just a, a fun group of guys to follow. They loved Houston, and Houston loved them. Some of you remember the Love You Blue? I mean, it, it was just such an exciting time, the neat relationship. But it was because these guys were such characters. Billy White Shoes Johnson, uh, Earl the Pearl Campbell, uh, Dan Pastorini, what a name. I think he is somewhere between the worst and the best quarterback ever in the NFL history. Uh, I mean, he was something to follow. And at the band of this group of characters was the head coach, Bum Phillips. Bum Phillips, coached with a cowboy hat on his head every single game. Had this, you don't normally see that on the sideline, do you? Guy with a cowboy hat, and, uh, except when he coached at the Astrodome. The, the home field, because the Astrodome was indoors, and he has his cowboy hat on, and his mama said, Bum, you don't wear a hat indoors, take that hat off. So he never wore his hat when he coached in the Astrodome, but everywhere else he had his, he had his cowboy hat on. He was a, quite a character, and just, just fun, and just one of those guys that always had a quip, a little quote for everything. Well, Bum Phillips came to Christ late in life. And uh, his little book that reads a story about his life, it's, it's really, a, it's a great read. But uh, that, that was exciting for me. I, I learned about this. Matter of fact, I was living in Virginia when I, I learned. So it was much later in life when he, he came to Christ. Some of you may be familiar with his son, Wade Phillips, who's been also very successful throughout the NFL. And, but anyway, after becoming a Christian, unrelated to that, he was being interviewed, as famous people often are. And uh, they, they asked him. You know, as, as you look back on life, anything you regret, regret not winning the Super Bowl, you know, regretted a move, a decision, what, what, what do you regret? And remember, as he answers that question now, he's looking back on life as, as a believer, as a Christ follower. And uh, he says, you know, as a, as a coach, I had a tremendous amount of influence on young men and, and men's lives. And boy, isn't that true? In our, in our sports-saturated, sports-dominated society, there, is, I would say, there are very few positions that have the level of influence that a coach has, all the way from Little League to the NFL. Very few people have the influence of a coach. And, and he was saying, he said, man, I, I, had, I, I look back on my life and I realize now I had tremendous influence on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men, and this is what I regret. I used that influence for absolutely nothing that counted. I don't know about y'all, I find those words haunting. I'm not Bum Phillips. I, I, you, me, we're, yeah, I'm not going to impact hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lives. I'm not in an re- influential relationship. Like, okay, maybe it's not hundreds and hundreds and maybe they're not all men and football players. But we're all influencing people. Jesus wants us to be influencers. You got a girlfriend, you're trying to influence her. You got kids, you're trying to influence them. You got parents, you're trying to influence them. Hey, we're, we're influencing people all around us. What are we doing with that influence? You know, your, your, our, our tendency is to say, nobody, nobody wants me to coach them. I, I know me, nobody wants me to coach them. You could not be more wrong. And you are wrong about something desperately significant, important, and eternal. You're huge wrong 
God has put you in people's lives. You know, I, I probably, if you bring them to me, honestly, I, I, this isn't very humble for me to say, but it's kind of the truth, right? I, I probably could share the gospel better than you could. Not all of you, but most of you. I probably could coach your friend a, a lot better than you could. So does that mean everybody should be brought to me? I'm the most effective person at doing that? No, because you know what? I'm not your friend's friend. You are. As a matter of fact, I bet all of us have a friend that by the very fact I'm a pastor, it means they don't trust me, right? Don't trust me, don't want to get near me. I mean, this is the life I live. You know, from the moment somebody finds out I'm a pastor. I love going to big dinner parties and being put at a table. And then everybody at the table, oh my God, I'm with a pastor. God, it's like nothing like killing the entire evening, right? I'm sitting with the pastor. Oh, there was free beer. It's, 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 it's just who I am. It's what I get to do in, in di- at dinner parties. I'm like telling the person next to you on the plane, I'm a pastor. That ends the conversation. I can take a nap. Right? Now, see, that, that's, that's funny, but do you realize why I might be able to share the gospel better than you, maybe coach better than you. Folks, there's a lot of people out there I have no access to, and I won't have any access to them. And that's okay, because God puts you there. They do consider you a friend. They do trust you. They would let you influence them, even if at first, maybe they give you some kind of a, hey, you're offending me. Hey, I'm a little bit bothered by that, folks. I promise you, when we throw out one of those little Jesus phrases, Jesus conversations, I promise you, they lay in bed that night and they think about it. I promise you. Jesus wants us to influence and he's put people all around us. And we're just to keep throwing bait and keep throwing bait until we get some strikes and hits and get to take some of us to heaven with us when he comes and gets us. And can you imagine? This is what we're dreaming about. Can you imagine 2,000, 2,300, 2,500 of us doing just one friend in the next two years? You realize the impact that has on the 804? I mean, folks saying we want to impact the 804 is not just a neat idea. I sure hope it happens. No, there's some very specific and concrete things we need to do. And it's as simple as this go be a friend to your friends. And ask God to let your friendship count for eternity. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray in 18 months, in two years, this church is double its size. And we have tripled and quadrupled the homes we're affecting throughout this area code because we've been a friend. We've been a friend who cares about eternal things. We've been a friend who cares about things that count, that count forever and ever. God, give us courage, give us boldness, give us, Lord, give us a love for the people around us, enough love that we're not all wrapped up in what somebody thinks about us. God, I pray that the Heights Baptist is a body of people profoundly casting bait and helping somebody just take the next step. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.